time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Hersema. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, May 17th, 2021. Thank you for joining us. And guys, I got to tell you right off the bat today that uh, I'm coming to you with a heavy heart, a very heavy heart today um, to start our week off. Um, A good friend of mine, actually, I I would consider him more of a mentor than uh, a friend, but has become a friend in in later years, was somebody that uh, I looked up to as a kid, as a young adult, and still to this day, Um, Pete Clark. Uh, someone who coached me when I was a kid, uh, coached me when I was in high school, um, uh, had a very serious medical uh, trauma over the weekend, was uh, coaching uh, little kids at Care Youth League and collapsed. Um, there was uh, just trying to tie everything together. Uh, he's, he's okay right now. He's stable. He's in ICU, but apparently uh, uh, at a cardiac arrest of some kind. Um, I don't know all the details. I'm still trying to piece it all together, but had a uh, had an episode big time. Uh, some have said some reports again, everything you, you hear different things. You're trying to hear accuracy and this and that. I don't want to say anything incorrectly. Um, some said, you know, he wasn't wasn't breathing. Um, anyway, pretty serious situation for Pete Clark, who's in the hospital and, uh, not doing so well. He's stable. I guess you could say right now from what I've been told, I'll keep you guys updated on the podcast. I know a lot of listeners on the podcast are uh, real Hondo prep graduates and Pete Clark is one of those graduated in 1991 uh, alongside uh, my good friend Todd Carson who's been on here a few times um John Lee I know was a teammate of his Ken Lee the the brother of John and you know they all kind of ran in the same circle being you know as close uh, you know a bunch of Atlantic Pirates all those guys playing for uh, the Atlantic Pirates and Care Youth League and I, I know Pete Clark is really really loved and you could see that the past couple days how many people have reached out and just very um, very faith-based friendships with Pete Clark so many people have um, yeah have reached out offered support prayer Um, I was sitting at home late at night Saturday night uh, after I'd heard what had happened and just laying there and thinking of Pete and I don't know what made me do it, but I just wrote on Facebook, I flipped my phone to Facebook and I just said PC four Pete Clark four four was the number that he wore. And um, it was just, I didn't know what else to express. I didn't want to say anything to the family. You know, I didn't know what the family was saying was public yet. I was trying to be respectful in that regard. And um, anyway, I just 
PC four, man. That's just, just what came out. Just something I thought about. And the next day, Sunday, I was contacted by Ken Lee who said, man, I love that. That's great. And Ken put together this design, uh, PC four. And it was a Facebook profile that he created for, and just said, Hey guys, this is a great way to show love and support for P Clark. And I couldn't believe how many people on my Facebook feed alone jumped on there, changed their profile to uh, PC4. And uh, I did, I was, you know, I did as well. And uh, there's a, there's one with white letters, there's one with blue letters, because I think the whole Atlantic pirate, that royal, that blue and gold, you know. Uh, so a lot of people are pulling for Pete. And I know he's a fighter. I know he's a clerk. His brother, uh, Paul Clark's been on here a couple times and, uh, nothing but love for the Clark family. Uh, Pete and Paul's mom, Brenda Clark, uh, truly amazing woman, so kind, always with a smile on her face. Uh, always, uh, at least when I was kind of around the organization in the school more, you could always see her at games, it seemed, cheering for kids she had never met, but always loved, right? Um, Pete and Paul's sister, Danita, who I've never really talk to or know, but I know, uh, she's a Clark and a lot of love goes her way from a lot of people that I know. So the entire Clark family, um, it goes without saying the, uh, get home safe podcast is, is thinking of you guys, praying for you guys, loves you guys. And, um, I just wanted to kind of get some of this off my chest to start the show today because it is on my mind. And Pete, I don't think he's 50 years old yet. Maybe he is if he, I mean, I think he's 48, 49. And I don't want to forget uh, Pete's wife, Sarah, who um, they recently were married. And um, I can't imagine being a new spouse to someone and going through this ordeal. So, uh, you know, she's a new member of the Clark family. And uh, again, I've never met her, but I, I know that, uh, She's make she makes Pete very happy. You can tell from the photos and things I've heard and everything. So, um, keeping her in our thoughts and prayers as well. And I want to talk about Pete Clark a little bit here. Um, you know, you don't see some people as often as you like. That's just kind of natural part of life. You you got different things going on. Uh, people have lives. You have lives, um, and you just. You, you you do what you can. You try to stay in touch. That's what's been great about this podcast is being able to to talk to people, uh, catch up, if you will. So I want to tell you about Pete Clark, the man that I knew growing up and kind of some influences that he had on me that maybe he didn't know about. I think he knows about. But so as I mentioned, Pete Clark was a lifelong Atlantic pirate, right? He's one of the outside of Mr. Uh, John Lee Sr. I I think uh, Pete Clark is right up there among the Mount Rushmore of Atlantic Pirate faces, right? And names that people know. Oh, Atlantic Pirate. Yeah, Coach Clark, Coach Clark, because he coached so many kids in the Atlantic Pirate program as well. Well, when I was in fifth grade, I played for the Glendora Gators out at uh, Wingate Park in Covina. And uh, my beloved coach, Gary Shintaku, who coached us for three years, we found out, hey, we're getting a, a different assistant coach this year, Pete Clark. And I didn't really know him, but my teammates 
Nick Fuentes, Brian Ermanski, they were like, yeah, Pete Clark, we're getting, we're getting Pete. Pete's the best. Must've known him from Pearl prep and stuff. I'm not sure, but so Pete Clark comes out and he coaches the Gators and he's a Gator coach for one year. And he's an assistant coach on our team, the AAA guys. The last year you play for that, the, the team, the Care Youth League team. That's how it used to work in the days. You'd, you'd start in, uh, as, for instance, as a Gator in kindergarten, and you'd be on that team, different division, different levels, uh, all the way through fifth grade. So this is our last year on the uh, Gators. And then we went into the junior high program. But anyway, uh, Pete coached the Gators, came out, and uh, not only was he an assistant coach on my team, but he was the head coach of my brother's team who was in second grade. He coached the B team, the B's and we were the triple a team and we were pretty good. We actually ended up beating the Atlantic pirates in the triple a, the uh, football championship that year. And they were more talented for sure. Had a ton of great players on that team. They had beaten us two years prior. We finally beat them. Uh, then they got us back in, in basketball in uh, upset us in a basketball game with a half court shot at the buzzer. I'm still not, I'm not bitter about it by any means. Uh, he did travel. I'm just, he's, he traveled Ed Maldonado and Edwin Biagas who were both refereeing that game. And yes, I remember that from 1995, those two high school guys or RHLA guys, whatever they were at the time. I'm not bitter about it, but those two guys were refereeing that game and the shot was probably late. Robert Tatum. Ugh. But anyway, Pete Clark, Pete Clark was the assistant coach on our team and it had to be weird for him coaching against Atlantic in those big games. Cause uh, at least for me, that was life and death. It was, you know, fifth grade football and basketball. And then we ended up playing baseball. Atlantic wasn't any good in baseball. I don't know why, but they, uh, we, we won the baseball championship too. So, so, so some great times with Pete Clark as the assistant coach. And he was only with the Gators for one year. Uh, I always teased him. I, he ended up going back to Atlantic and stuff, but I always teased him. I said, man, I know you are uh, Atlantic pirate blue and gold at heart, but man, you look good in that Gator blue, man. You look good in that Gator blue for one season. And uh, what a season it was. A couple titles and uh, taking down the Atlantic pirates, his old, uh, his old team as well. And then of course they beat us. So some fond memories with coach Pete Clark when I was a, uh, a fifth grade lad. Now my brother's team was the opposite. They were pretty bad. They barely ever won any games. And if I remember correctly, I'm trying to think how it went. I, they had a kid on the team named uh, Joey Allred, who was pretty good. I think he hit a home run and I don't know if it was him hitting a home run or if the team won a game, but coach Clark in his, uh, I think he was in his twenties, probably he, he, makes this declaration to these second graders. Hey guys, if we win a game, uh, I'll, I will shave my head. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna let all you guys do it. Let all the kids do it on the team. And uh, that was motivation for these little second graders, these little seven-year-olds. And it, it was either, I don't know, it could it probably was a team thing. It was either all red hit in a home run or them winning a game. Like they never won a game, right? So it was maybe Pete was just throwing it out there. And then they won a game or whatever it was. And so Pete had to deliver. And so at a club meeting on the following week, they had the razors and uh, every kid got a little, got a little piece of, uh, of Pete's head and uh, shaved uh, coach Clark's head because they won a game. And I don't know if 
some of the higher ups in the organization liked it. I, I have a feeling they probably didn't like that because, you know, you want the whole kid coach respect layer to always be there. That's a big reason kids refer to coaches at uh, care as Mr. Clark, Mr. Carson, Mr. Johnson, whatever. So that was something I will, I will always remember. And how excited my brother was. Yeah, we got to shave Mr. Clark's head. Oh, what, what, what happened? Yeah, we won a game. And he was just explaining it to me as a little kid. And then me being a fifth grader, just like rolling my eyes, like, oh, well, when you're not a good team, I guess you got to come up with things to uh, keep the season going. But that's a memory I have, Mr. Uh, Mr. Clark. Because, yeah, baseball season. He was coaching our baseball season. And, uh, yeah, always had the, the hat on. I was in a hat on to cover up the, the bald, the bald head. So <laughs> that was just fun memory for, for me. And I, I hope some of you guys out there, uh, uh, you know, got a chuckle out of that. Uh, Pete Clark is, you know, a very passionate guy. Uh, whatever he was coaching, he was into. He, uh, for those that don't know, he, he actually went to China for a few years, taught English over there. So, I mean, Pete speaks uh, Chinese, uh, either I'm not sure Cantonese, Mandarin, or whatever, whatever it is, but he, he taught people over there English. I mean, the, the, the giver that he is, right? He just loved being around people in different cultures and just an incredibly great guy. And someone that I think if anybody says their, says his name, you just, you smile. I mean, that's the best way I can sum up Pete Clark. But this is something I don't know if Pete knows. And I, I, I may have mentioned it to him before. I'm not sure. But in looking back at my umpiring career, officiating, but it was it started with baseball and it ended with baseball, ironically. I think seeing Pete Clark umpire carry youth league games when I was a kid even, I think that was the spark in me of interest in officiating in umpiring. Like I want to do that. And it wasn't anything specific. It was, well, it was, it was Pete would show up and you know, you don't, you'd see the coaches umpire these games or maybe an umpire would come out. He'd wear a blue shirt and some black shorts or whatever and stand behind the mound. Well, Pete, no matter the division, little kids, older kids, Pete would come out fully decked out awesome shirt or at least uh it looked official right he'd have the, the slacks i remember he wore his gear underneath his uh pants his shin guards he wore shin guards he wore chest protector underneath and when some other people would just kind of do things you know half-heartedly or whatever but pete went all out and not only that he was this theatrical loud umpire like uh my dad even remembers back to when uh, pete was umpiring and he stuck out big time, but in a good way. And I, even if he, I don't think he ever missed a call, but even if there was something that was close, he, you would never know it. The guy was just a stud umpire. And for me, that probably had more influence on me as a, that probably had more influence on me uh, in looking back than I knew at the time. And I started umpiring when I was in seventh grade and um, it was only a few years before that where I was watching Pete Clark. And then I got to umpire a few games with Pete. Cause I said, Hey, I want to umpire with you. And we umpired uh, junior high games as I was like in, in college or whatever. And 
um, yeah, the rest is history. Uh, so Pete Clark, probably the biggest influence on my officiating uh, journey, I'll say, at least from the beginning, the spark that got me kind of interested in it, just watching him and seeing him take pride in his uniform, his energy. And I was like, that's the bar. That's the standard. You got to raise the bar, raise the standard to, uh, to do something. If you're going to, that's what I learned, I think from Pete overall is that if you're going to do something, do it right. And I later, you know, had a great umpiring career, umpired in the minor leagues, umpired college baseball, but it all started from seeing Pete Clark go back there in a second grade game and look like Leslie Nielsen at times back there in the naked gun, just full energy and so loud and the styles and the calls. I was like, man, I want to do that. What a, that looks like fun, you know? So Pete Clark, uh, you are uh, fighting the good fight. I can't uh, thank you enough for the memories and the lessons uh, coached me in high school basketball was assistant coach alongside Mr. Ken drain at real Hondo prep did that for quite some time, knew how to push guys. Um, it wasn't necessarily good cop, bad cop with Mr. Drain and, and Mr. Clark. It was, uh, you know, bad cop, tough cop. Like it was like, <clears throat> you were going to get any sympathy from neither, either of them. They, they, they were very hard on you, but, and then you'd think maybe Pete would be the guy to kind of, Hey, it's going to be okay. No, he'd light you up too. He'd be like, Hey, pick it up. Let's go. So uh, anyway, that's in starting today's show. That's where my, my heart is at today. It's a full heart. I'm thinking of my friend, my mentor, uh, Pete Clark. And I, I was very moved in seeing how many people in a matter of short matter of time, you know, put Facebook uh, PC four everywhere. It was uh, really, really inspiring to me. I'm not a guy that thinks, you know, the world can change with social media or, you know, by posting this or posting that. But to see something just kind of naturally happen was uh, was pretty powerful, pretty moving. And uh, I know Pete is a very deeply um, religious guy, someone who cares deeply about God and the Lord and uh, minister, minister, being in the ministry of, of bringing others to Christ. Uh, I, again, I mentioned one of the, the best men I know uh, is, is kind of how I, I guess, can sum it up. So God's, he's in God's hands. Um, he has a, an army of prayers uh, from so many people. And those were some memories I wanted to share today about Pete Clark, uh, someone I care deeply about. And um, I, I know I say this from my brother and from my dad, you know, as well, the Hersema men. Uh, we love Pete Clark. We love the Clark family. And um, can't wait for you to recover, Pete, and for uh, us to talk, us to chat. Uh, it doesn't have to be here on a podcast. Um, I know a lot of people, he's been a guy a lot of people have wanted to hear from on here. I've reached out a few times, but, uh, you know, everybody's busy and just doing a lot of different things. So he's a fan favorite that a lot of people have been hungry for, but we won't worry about any of that stuff. Uh, I can't wait to, you know, see Pete in person 
down the road here soon and uh, have a conversation with him and, and maybe talk about some of those early umpiring days and uh, you know, how good he looks in Gator blue. I might get him a Gator Jersey or something somehow, some way. Cause uh, I know he's a pirate Atlantic pirate, but Hey, looks pretty good in that Gator blue. If I must say so myself, get well, Pete Clark, talk to you soon, my friend. Okay. A lot to talk about today uh, regarding some sports topics, some randomness, of course. Uh, I do want to, the show goes on, right? Um, but I did want to say those things this morning, uh, say it, uh, you know, start the show off that way. And so, so you guys kind of know where I'm at, but uh, some big news over the weekend regarding uh, the world of sports. So I also came up with a few ideas, a few different things. Uh, today is Monday. I'm recording Monday morning rather than, you know, Sunday night, having it ready for Monday morning. As I've kind of do naturally, we had a kind of a lazy, easy going weekend, really me and Valerie just cooking and enjoying time at home. So we actually don't get to spend that much time together with our, our conflicting work schedules and such. So didn't want to waste any time burning the, uh, you know, any, any of our time together doing the podcast. So I thought I'll get up early Monday morning and do it. Anyway, later today, uh, Bill Barnes is actually on his way over here now at uh, 9 a.m. or so. We're going to record our weekly Wednesday weigh-in episode. So kind of a busy morning here, busy morning for the Get Home Safe podcast, but I wouldn't have it any other way. It, it keeps me busy, uh, ac- active. It's just, uh, it's a good thing. And, and in doing that, I kind of knock out the Monday, Wednesday shows early. I can just focus on the Friday episode. And uh, so that's how the week's going to go. Anyway, now to a few of my sports topics, you know, there's been some questions about ejections. And I saw this in, I think it was a Dodger game. And some people are like, there's this, there's this constant, like, you can't have it both ways, guys. There's this constant from announcers and stuff and fans. It's like, well, he didn't say much or he didn't show him up. No one knew they were even talking. Well, it's not about that. I mean, there's time, there's things you do that if you show up an umpire, yeah, that'll, uh, you know, send up the alert and like, uh, you can't do that. You're going to get run, but it's not always, uh, how things are said. It's not always the manner in which they're said. It's what is said. And I want you guys to keep in mind with, uh, three things actually kind of stole it from the that umpire ejection website I told you guys about close call sports. It breaks down every ejection out there and all these kinds of weird plays in baseball. But um, if you remember three P's, when you see an ejection, there's three things to remember. Okay. Was that profane? Obviously if you use profanity in a certain way uh, towards somebody towards an umpire that can get you ejected. Was it prolonged? Prolonged is okay. The argument just kept going. He was warned to stop arguing. He didn't stop arguing. That's an ejection. Uh, even if it's not that, uh, obscene, we'll say it's just, that's, and these standards for removal from the game are in the rule book. Not only that they're posted in, in team locker rooms, like teams know where the line is. Okay. And then the other one is personal. Anytime you get personal with an umpire, uh, as far as a direct insult, it's an ejection. And yes, it could be something as simple as you're bad you're terrible. That's an ejection. It's, it's, it's in the rules. It's laid out very clearly. Okay. You can say that's bad. You could say that's terrible. That's awful. 
but you're bad, you're awful, you're whatever, uh, that's going to get you ejected. That's an automatic. That's no warning. So I think a Dodger hitter did that. He, he took a pitch and he turned and he just goes, uh, you're so bad or you're bad or whatever it was. And he got ejected. Dave Roberts comes out. Whoa, whoa, whoa what do you say? What do you say? And you could see a part just tells him and Dave's just like, well, well, but come on. Like, it's like, no. So anyway, remember those things when you see an ejection. I, I always find it funny. It's like, Oh man, he barely said anything. Well, what he said then was probably the wrong thing. Okay. I mean, keep that in mind. Like, again, I always bring this analogy uh, because I think it, uh, it paints a picture for people, fellas, that if you're in a situation with your lady, with your wife, with your girlfriend, um, it, it's not always what you say. It's how you say it. Sometimes it's not how you say it. It's what you say. It's like, Okay, if you say if you give her a direct insult, you know, now you're, you know, you I don't know. There's a, there's a difference between the food wasn't good tonight and you're a bad cook, right? Because that's like body of work, it's very personal. <laughs> so that's just an example. I don't try to ever argue or uh well, I do. I do argue with Val here and there, but it's just funny the the um the things the announcers say, he didn't say much. How could no one even knew they were talking? Uh, have you ever said one or two things wrong? Just one word you could take back from your lady, maybe two. You like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I should have said this better. Sometimes that's how it is in umpiring and, uh, and baseball. So I just wanted to mention that quickly. Uh, you're bad versus that's bad. Okay. Huge difference. It's by rule. I know it doesn't seem like much. How could you eject someone for that? But I mean, it's it's clear as day listed uh, in the rule book and teams know that's just how things go in, in baseball. Um, personal prolonged and profane or profane, the three P's. Think of that when you hear or see an ejection and uh, you'll probably have a better understanding. Okay, some other baseball news. Albert Pujols, after being um, released by the Angels, uh, signed with the Dodgers over the weekend. So he's heading up the road to uh, Los Angeles. I'm not sure where he lives, but hey, that kind of makes sense. If you don't want to move anything, move your belongings or anything. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with him. Probably a pinch hitter late in games, maybe. Although Max Muncy has not been uh, lighting the world on fire. Neither is Albert Pujols, that's for sure. So um, I would think a pinch hitter, maybe a DH when they play uh, AL games, I guess. But I uh, I, I was surprised he went to a national league team, but it makes sense. The fact that it is right up the road. So maybe it's a push to push Max Muncy a little bit. I'm not sure. Or just to bring in a veteran guy in the clubhouse. He probably didn't cost the Dodgers much, which is again, why they probably, um, why they probably signed him. But anyway, I had an idea and I want to run this by you guys. I, I, I have random ideas and, and I thought of this with baseball and I was hearing after last week when the Oakland A's, have said they're going to be looking for a new place to play. It really got me thinking. And I think the obvious choice is, you know, uh, Las Vegas, right? The Raiders went there. Sorry, Oakland. Um, But that makes sense to me. It's in the West. It's a city that now has an NHL team, an NFL team. Uh, I think baseball would be a good fit there. Um, There's been talk about Portland, talk of Nashville. Nashville would be a great team. Uh, a play a great city for a team to play in, but 
then do they still play in the West? I'm not so sure, but I came up with an idea and I am as old school as they come. I don't like change. I do not like change. I cannot say that enough. Uh, but I thought to myself, you know, as far as an American league and national league, what if, I mean, if you're eventually going to go to the DH in both leagues anyway, I would think. So why not not have two different leagues? And because I always look at the, the divisions in baseball, there's, there's six five-team divisions, right? And there's been realignment and things before. And I'm like, well, baseball, I think, is going to eventually add two teams here. They're looking to expand uh, to 32, I think. And I, and I thought, man, what would you do with 32? And then I kind of looked at the map. And I was like, why do you even need American League and National League when if you look at a map, everything is kind of regionally based, similarly to what we saw last season in the 2020 uh, 60 game season where you did play regionally. You didn't travel much. Uh, The NL West played each other and then the AL West, right? The NL Central played the AL Central and the NL, like, and so on. Well, I thought to myself, I said, what if you didn't have an ALNL? You just had four divisions, we'll call it. A West, an East, a South, and I call it the Central, but it could be the North if you want to call it the North. And here's my idea. And think of it from a regional logistics standpoint. I think it would be a really, really good fit and just makes sense. And there, there, so there's, there'd be 16 teams in each division. I've added two expansion teams here. So they can't happen until then, but you have uh, four eight team divisions. I think you take uh, the, well, each division winner obviously gets in, but maybe you take the top two teams in each division. There's your four teams for, for uh, playoffs. Uh, if you want to go, I don't know, if you want to go six teams, the top three teams in each division, I don't know well, how you want to do it, but it's just the thought I had. So here's what I got. Uh, in the West, you got Anaheim, LA, San Diego, obviously three teams down here in Southern California. You got uh, Oakland and San Fran. Now this would still work if Oakland does end up going to Vegas or or maybe even Portland, but I think Vegas is probably a favorite here. So you got all five of the California teams, all five, right? And then Vegas, I mean, that's pretty much California anyway. So you got uh, Arizona and Phoenix. And then you got Seattle and Colorado. Colorado is a little towards the middle there, but hey, they're in the NL West now. So basically you're just combining the NL West with the uh, the AL West, basically. And you eliminate uh, the two Texas teams from there. And you just have in, uh, the two Texas teams from the AL West and you have that gives you your eight teams for the Western Division of Major League Baseball. Okay, uh, in the East, you got Toronto. These these are all bunched together. It just it would make so much sense to have these teams all uh, playing each other constantly, really close to each other. I'm not saying MLB needs to save money on travel or anything, but it would make sense. Uh, Toronto. Washington and Baltimore side by side. Philadelphia is not far. Uh, Pittsburgh, same state as Philly. And then Boston and New York and New York. Yes, the New York Mets. So you're kind of combined and the Yankees in the same division. You're kind of combining the NL East and the American League East, really. Uh, and you're subtracting, what would that be? You're, you're kicking out, if you will, the Atlanta 
and uh, Miami and Tampa Bay, respectively, from the uh, Eastern uh, AL or NL East. Um, so I think that's a pretty strong division there. It's kind, it's all in the East. It's all in the Northeast. Uh, man, I think it would just make sense to have those eight teams in the Eastern division of Major League Baseball. Okay, to the Central or the North, whatever you want to call it. I think uh, this only makes sense as well. Teams very regionally based. Detroit, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Cincinnati, and Cleveland, the two Ohio teams, even though Cleveland is, is pretty far east, you could maybe put them in the east division, but I think it makes more sense for them to be a part of the central. And then uh, Chicago, Chicago, the Cubs and the White Sox, same division. So you do have some crossover there. You got some AL and NL teams blending, basically teams that are in the central now. And then where it really gets interesting here is uh, Major League Baseball South. Now, what I've done, and again, this is if I'm commissioner for a day, uh, I add two teams in the South uh, as far as expansion teams. If Oakland ends up moving uh, Portland or Vegas, you keep them in the West. You add two teams in the South. The Atlanta Braves have been kind of the only team uh, in that region for for great deal of time i know there's two teams in florida two teams in texas but think of the south i mean the carolinas um you know the braves are in georgia i mean louisiana kentucky there's nothing really down there right Uh, outside of the braves the braves are just kind of uh the the favorite team of everyone in the south so here's what i did i added two teams one in nashville which i think is a perfect fit and the one that i'm on the fence about i i think is I think would work is uh, Charlotte. They have an NFL team. They have an NBA team. Um, so I figured eh, one of the Carolinas, I think would work. Charlotte's probably a, a pretty good city down there. It currently is a, is it triple a, I think it's a triple a team currently, maybe anyway, doesn't matter. So Nashville, which is a triple a team. Now um, you build a brand new stadium down there, Charlotte new stadium, and you got two teams in the South uh, alongside the Atlanta Braves. So this is Major League Baseball South. You got Atlanta, Nashville, Charlotte. You got both Floridas, Miami and Tampa Bay. You got both Texases, Texas and Houston. And then uh, th- these these two teams, the two Missouri teams, Kansas City and St. Louis, you know, they're right around that Texas area. Uh, you know, the University of Missouri is in the SEC. So I think they're kind of, they're, they they fit well in that southern region. I know they're not far from Chicago, but I think of Missouri, Missouri is more of the south than the north, right? Uh, Missouri and Illinois. I know that's a rivalry, the, the Cubs and Cardinals and everything. But that's why I think everything would fit well as far as uh, MLB realignment here in the near future. And I think it's starting with the Oakland A's looking for a new place to play. But I do think that... Major League Baseball would be better off with 32 teams. I know some of the product on the field right now is not that glamorous. But, uh, you know, for now, uh, I think uh, that would be the best option. Why have a National League and American League? They used to have American League and National League umpires. Then in 99, they just became Major League Baseball umpires. Everyone umpired everyone. And uh, I don't know. It's just something I thought about and, and threw out there and, um, I, maybe it could work in other leagues as well. Maybe the NFL, I'm not sure, but, uh, I, I wanted to throw that out there. My MLB realignment idea. I might run it by bill Barnes. We'll see, 
But uh, that's what I think Major League Baseball should do here when you add two more teams is just go to four eight-team divisions. Most of your games, you play uh, teams in that, in that division. Uh, of course, you play everyone at least once, but that was my thought uh, for the uh for the big uh my thought of the week i'll say all right last week the nfl released its schedule on may 12th and i gotta tell you i i love the nfl draft i love uh i love the nfl in general and i posted actually a video on facebook something very powerful about a guy uh in the nfl draft who was taken in the first round out of michigan a uh, really, really good story they did there. Uh, ESPN did uh, something with him and his uh, his family, his mom. Uh, uh, just really, really cool. Uh, the story of Quiddy Pay, a long way home. If you haven't seen that already, check that out. His mom, uh, wherever she from, some war torn land, made it to America, and it was a really good story. And that's one of the reasons I love the NFL draft. But anyway, the schedule release last week. Um, it's crazy when schedule of games three months from now, four months from now is kind of a big deal, but it was at least for me and a lot of other people. So uh, I got to see where my Rams were playing. Yes. They open up Sunday night football against the Chicago bears. Uh, they finally get to open that new stadium with some fans. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there or not, but I'm going to try. So that's going to be pretty cool. And the Chicago bears, man, they, they've played in LA like three out of the four years, I think. Rams haven't gone there since, uh, what was that? 16, 17, I think. But yeah, the Bears and Rams seem to have played each other every year the past few years. Uh, so that'll be a fun one. I look at some of the primetime games here. I think week four, all eyes will be on the New England Patriots because Tom Brady is taking his Tampa Bay Buccaneers up there. Tom Brady returns to Gillette Stadium up there in Foxborough. That's going to be a crazy emotional night for... Uh, the Patriots fans for um, for Tom Brady, I'm sure, uh, going to be really, really cool uh, to see Tom go back there and, and kind of the Belichick-Brady handshake, how that all goes. I think they're professionals. There's a little maybe bad blood there. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, uh, a few other games. Week three, Packers at 49ers. Uh, if for Aaron Rodgers is playing, I'm not sure, but uh, they have not had success going to San Francisco the past few years. What's another game here that jumps off the page? Titans at Rams, a Sunday night game in November, rematch of uh, Super Bowl 34 when the Rams won by a yard. Uh, that'll be a re really cool uh, Sunday night football game. Of course, the first game of the year is the Buccaneers and Cowboys. Dak Prescott coming back from an injury, the Buccaneers. Uh, raising the banner on September 9th, raising the, well, I wonder if I'm going to have a, a jolly uh, a flag aboard the, the Jolly Roger there, the pirate ship. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, anyway, I always look at the Thursday night games too. What I do like what the NFL has done uh, last year and now this upcoming season is they're playing games on Christmas day. That used to be like an NBA thing. All right, we'll stay away from that. But no, NFL said we're playing games on Christmas Day. So this year we actually get two games on Christmas Day, which falls on a Saturday. We get the Browns, Packers, and Colts, Cardinals. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then the next day, a full schedule of uh, NFL games. And in December, you typically do get some Saturday NFL games. But to have it on Christmas Day uh, is pretty awesome, considering 
uh, December 23rd, which is the final Thursday night football game of the year, the 49ers at the Titans. Then you got Christmas Eve, a Friday is off, and then all of a sudden you go into a nice football weekend, two games on Christmas Day while you uh, open presents with some eggnog. And then, of course, the day after Christmas being a Sunday, the 26th, uh, a bunch of games there. So uh, some other Thursday night games. The Rams go up to Seattle in week five, immediately after hosting the Arizona Cardinals on, on a Sunday. So uh, I'm glad they kind of get that game out of the way. I don't love that they're going up to Seattle <laughs> on a Thursday night, which is uh, going to be difficult. But, hey, that's life in the NFL. Let's see. I'm looking at some uh, – let's look at the Monday night games now. Uh, the first game of the year is the Ravens at the Raiders. So Lamar Jackson and company goes into Las Vegas. I think that's cool. You got to you get to open up the stadium in LA with fans on Sunday night, week one, and then also open up the stadium uh, in Las Vegas with fans for the Monday night game. So back-to-back primetime games for the new stadiums. I think that's pretty cool. And, and that's kind of what happened last year if I remember correctly, but there were no fans and just a totally, totally weird uh, Raiders at chargers is a Monday night game in October. There'll be a, quite a few Raider fans who are going to be in attendance for that, that game here in Los Angeles. I'm sure uh, Rams at 49ers on a Monday night Rams at Cardinals on a Monday night. Very cool stuff. Um, nothing else. Monday night wise really jumped off the page to me. Uh, glad to not see the jets on like, two Monday night games. I remember a couple years ago, the Jets were on Monday night football twice. I'm like, what, what is this? Why are you doing this? I know everyone has to play a Thursday night game. So you do see like the Bengals and stuff, Bengals, Jaguars on there, but man, keep the, keep the Jets and uh, Bengals and, you know, those type of teams away from Monday night football. Uh, there was a chiefs game. Well, Browns at the chiefs, I think to start the season is a, it's kind of a tough break for the, uh, for the, uh, the Browns there. Uh, and I think that game's on, in Kansas city. I could be wrong. wrong. Uh, week two chiefs at Ravens. That one jumps off the page. That's going to be pretty awesome. Bills at chiefs in week five rematch of the AFC championship game. So uh, we got some good ones here. Let's look at Thanksgiving day, a day uh, to always be thankful for, for having uh, three football games. If you remember last year, we had the three scheduled games. And then I think it was the Ravens who were scheduled to play they got some COVID issues, so we missed out on the the Ravens. Uh, I think it was Ravens Steelers, maybe that game got pushed to the next week. But anyway, this year on November twenty fifth, Thanksgiving Day, we have Bears at Lions, nine thirty, one thirty Raiders at Cowboys. Raider fans get to watch their team while eating some turkey this year. And then the night game is Bills at Saints. Uh, I love that matchup there. Hopefully, there's no issues, and all three games uh, do get played. Uh, in a timely manner uh, chiefs at chargers, another Thursday night game in uh, December, December 16th to be exact. Uh, that one I, I think will be pretty, pretty good. Chargers always play the chiefs tough. I don't know what it is, um, but uh, primetime game. I know Thursday it's Thursday is kind of like primetime light, if you will, because everyone gets to play and it's kind of a, you're playing the game after four days or whatever, but still pretty exciting. So, I was uh, very happy with the Rams schedule. I actually did a little Facebook video again, for those out there who are Rams fans, uh, no other people need apply. I do have a little Rams fan friends uh, page that I have or a group, I should say on Facebook where I post some things and videos. So I don't have to bother the rest of you who aren't uh, loyal, passionate LA Rams fans. Uh, and that way we don't get any hate either. So 
I do a little video breaking down the schedule on there. And uh, yeah, that's all I really got to say about the NFL schedule. September 9th uh, is opening night, September 12th, the first day of uh, opening day, if you will, for everybody else. Uh, and then one thing the NFL did not do this year was the double header of Monday night football. They just do the one game. So I, I'm not sure why they did that, but hey, I'm sure there's a reason. Maybe it wasn't going over as uh, popular as they thought it would be. So uh, only the one Monday night game, but I'm very much excited. Already can't wait less than four months now for uh, Rams hosting the Chicago Bears as well as the rest of the NFL. So the draft's over, the schedule's out. Now it's just training camp, uh, three preseason games this year. And keep in mind a 17 game season this year, 18 weeks, still get your one by. So the NFL regular season will spill into almost middle mid January, January 9th, I believe is the final day there. So very exciting times here upcoming for the national football league. Okay. On Sunday, I watched a great football game. I know it sounds weird talking football in May, but I told you guys about this for weeks now. I said, you guys got to watch the FCS, the football championship sub subdivision, also known as division one, double a, the national championship game between South Dakota state and Sam Houston state. Um, and I watched every, every snap of this game really. And it was kind of nice sipping on some coffee, watching some college football on a Sunday. Kind of weird, but uh, I, I tuned in and I was really glad I did because it was a good football game. And um, I was happy for these kids to not only get a season in, but to get a, a, a playoff season in, to, to see a championship played. I thought it was really awesome. And the kids just played hard, man. You, you almost couldn't tell it was a, a, a notch below, you know, division one uh, because these were two really good teams in the FCS division, uh, Bearcats versus Jackrabbits. I thought that was kind of cool, unique names. And uh, who is it? South Dakota State, uh, they're the Jackrabbits. And Sam Houston, the Bearcats, cats with a K. So uh, I don't know. Uh, although, you know, Rio Hondo Prep were the Cares with a K. So, uh, you know, whatever. Sam Houston, they uh, had one, uh, let's see here, one national championship in 1964. It was a co-championship, I believe it was. They were co They were runners-up in 2011 and 2012 so bridesmaids not brides and uh south dakota state this was their first national title game appearance so uh very sloppy game uh it was raining early on raining pretty hard too uh which i loved i was immediately more intrigued uh, to watch and really really enjoyed it the south dakota state quarterback uh was injured early in the game and he had to come out so uh, it, it was South Dakota State playing with a, a backup quarterback throughout this game. Let me make sure I pull this up. You see, they already got week. Uh, they already got week. Uh, week one of next season on me here. I almost can't see the recap of the uh, of of the game from us from Saturday here. Oh well, I tried. But what I was really impressed with was the running back for South Dakota State. I wrote his name down here. Uh, let me see here. Isaiah, Isaiah Davis. What a stud this guy was. Uh, had some incredible run, runs, ran for 170 something yards, three touchdowns. He had a run uh, with just around six minutes left. Where was it? 
Yeah, six minutes left, just under six minutes left. He had an 85-yard touchdown run to give South Dakota State the lead. One of the best runs I've ever seen. I, I, I implore you, go go look up this run. He, I think I counted seven guys got their hands on him, maybe eight guys. A defenders got a, a fingernail at least on him at some point, and uh, he was just running uh, man on a mission, running possessed, and uh, didn't run through a bunch of guys or anything, but just – he looked slippery. I thought he was going to go out of bounds. And then he just in a, an amazing, amazing run. 85-yard touchdown to give them uh, the lead. South Dakota State with just under six minutes left. Um, Sam Houston, quarterback, Eric Schmidt, gutsy, gutsy performance. Uh, was banged up all day, taking shots. Some would argue maybe some uh, you know illegal shots from defenders. But uh, he hung in there. Didn't put up huge numbers or anything. But he was uh, he, he really stood out to me just being a gamer, a guy that was getting beat up, but just kept picking himself up and, and fighting through adversity. He led a game winning drive for Sam Houston. And he connected uh, with Efi Adehi on a 10 yard touchdown with 16 seconds left. They were trailing 21 17 after that long uh, Isaiah Davis, 85 yard touchdown run. And, uh, so that gave them a 23, 21 lead. The extra point was missed, which I thought was interesting because, okay, now it's a two point game. So South Dakota state gets a decent kick return out to about the 38 yard line, their own 38. And there's 10 seconds left after the, the kick return first play they run, they do a little hook and ladder thing and, uh, they got some decent yardage, but it took, it took five seconds. So there's five seconds on the clock. They're right about midfield. They probably need at least five more yards for a long, long field goal attempt. They tried another like crossing route pass that I wasn't a huge fan of. And I don't know if he was going to pitch it or whatever. I thought they should have, they had a timeout. I believe they, they could have done a, 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 a sideline pass. I know that was risky because they're probably guarding the sideline. Um, Hail Mary. I didn't love how the game ended. I thought take a shot at least give your kicker a chance. By that time, the rain had settled down. It wasn't uh, as sloppy out there. So the conditions were better. Um, and that, and early in the game, oh my goodness, the kicking game, the snaps, the holds, the, the kicks themselves, it was, like I said, just rain sloppy and uh, just ugly, ugly, but Hey, that's to be, uh, that was to be determined with some of the weather out there. But anyway, uh, I enjoyed the football game and Sam Houston state victorious over, the South Dakota state Jackrabbits 23, 21 to uh, win the national championship. And there was a lightning delay in this game, uh, a significant uh, stoppage of play. And right before uh, the second, see second quarter at some point uh, to so much, the delay was so long that when they came back and, and played again, they went to halftime, but halftime was only three minutes because they had had this huge delay. So there was no reason to have another one, but I didn't love the last play of the game. I thought, uh, you know, I thought I was hoping for a little more drama, I guess. I don't know. But but overall, really enjoyed the football game. Congrats to Sam Houston on uh, winning. Let's see. It's the 2021 spring season, national champs. And uh, what's crazy, man, is that here we are in, in middle of May. And, uh, I mean, these teams got to take a minor break, and then they got to be back at it here in division one double a, if you're going to play in the upcoming uh, August, right. End of August, early September. So a very quick turnaround. And that was one of the issues with having to push the college season into the spring, which if you remember was being 
was being thrown out there was being, uh, you know, uh, pushed forward as a potential uh, solution to COVID and, and college football. And thank goodness the SEC and the ACC and, and others stood up and said, no, we're playing this year. We're playing during the regular season. We'll make some changes conference only or, or whatever, but we're playing a, uh, we're playing a, 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 a regular season during our regular time. So that's one of the disadvantages of having to play this spring season. Can you imagine? I mean, had everyone else done this and then having to play, first of all, you wouldn't have had any, any of a guys, any, uh, some of your top guys who were potential draft picks because they couldn't have been, they wouldn't have played football after they're drafted. Right. And the NFL is not going to move their draft. So I don't know if that affected any of these kids who could have potentially played at the next level, or maybe some guys did get drafted. I don't know, but there's probably some room there for free agent signings and such. But I, again, I was just really happy to see a season get played. I was uh, worried that, uh, you know, I, I happen to know a lot of guys who officiate at this level. So I selfishly kind of wanted it for them too, for them to have a season and uh, very weird playing football in March and April and, and May, but uh, Hey, you got it done. And so I applaud division one double eight, the FCS for uh, getting the season in for getting the game in. You probably could have done it in this, in the fall, but Hey, you got it in regardless. So uh, congrats again to the Sam Houston state Bearcats on their national championship game. That was a really good game. I enjoyed it, man. I really did. Uh, okay. What else is on here? Um, okay. Huge news in boxing. Huge, 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 huge. I've been saying it for months now. Uh, I don't think they listened to me, but I was, <laughs> I was hammering, uh, you know, boxing for not putting together big enough fights. And um, anyway, uh, the Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury fight is official August 14th in Saudi Arabia. Cannot wait for this. The heavyweight undisputed championship of the world. Joshua has most of the belts. Uh, Fury has uh, one or I can't, can't remember, but uh, both of them incredible fighters from uh, Great Britain. So I, I call the, battle for Britain. I'm not sure why it's not being fought in uh, the UK, but Hey, we can understand why. If you look at uh, the site fee, the site fee uh, set a new record. And I don't know all the details of what is a site fee and what that all means, but I do know that Saudi Arabia really wanted this fight to happen because this is going to be one of the biggest sporting events we've ever seen. And I know people will say that, oh, this fight's the biggest ever. Oh, that fight's the biggest ever. No, no, this one actually, uh, one of the most significant heavyweight fights uh, in a very long time. I can't even tell you since when. So a site fee, just to give you guys a little perspective. The previous record for a site fee for a fight was $60 million. I think that is what the fighters will make. Just, it was like a bid for hosting this event. There was a previous record. It was actually recently set $60 million. The site fee for this fight in Saudi Arabia, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, $155 million site fee. So more than doubled the previous site fee for this fight. 
and the fight is on. It's official August 14th. I think it's a great time uh, right before college football, right before NFL starts uh, with the time. The last time Anthony Joshua fought in Saudi Arabia, he, he took his belts back from Andy Ruiz who upset him in uh, New York city a few months prior. They fought in Saudi Arabia and it was like, um, it was like during the day for us, like it was a weird time for a big fight. It was like noon, I think. So I'm curious what time they, they fight uh, as far as the time difference and everything. I know when UFC has fought uh, over in uh, Abu Dhabi and, you know, they, they've still tried to keep it that Saturday night American prime time. So I know that uh, the, the, the times, of the fights were kind of odd as far as the, the actual time they were fighting um, in that country. So we'll see what happens, but let's see Uh, Saudi Arabia, both sides reached a deal. This is a landmark fight. Let's see. This is according to uh, the athletic Mike Coppinger, who has a podcast, great, great boxing uh, podcast. Follow him on Twitter too. He's got some good stuff. If you're interested in uh, interested in that. So Sat is from Mike Coventer. Saudi Arabia doled out a site fee worth approximately $60 million for the rights to Ruiz Joshua two, which we mentioned. Um, but the fight of the magnitude of Fury Joshua was always going to command a nine figure deal. So they figured it would at least be a hundred million dollars. Well, uh, actually <laughs> Saudi Arabia is paying around $150 million, 155 to be exact signaling the country's keen interest in uh, major sporting events. So, ESPN's Mark Kriegel first reported the $150 million number. So uh, it's probably going to be in, let's see, Riyadh, Riyadh, the capital of Saudi Arabia. I don't know if they're going to build a venue or <laughs> what they're going to do. Um, let's see. Let's see. That's place in December. Yeah, this fight is going to be in August. So yeah, that's going to be a much hotter temperature. So this will be an indoor arena, not an outdoor arena like we saw it with the Ruiz Joshua when it actually started raining. So Fury and Joshua agreed to the framework of a two fight deal last year. The, the fighters will split revenue for the first meeting with the winner will net 60% in the return bout. So uh, a lot of money going around for both of these guys. They're each going to make a boatload of money. Um, Multi millions of dollars here. I'm not sure what's the biggest payout would be, but uh, it's easily the biggest fight uh, that can be in made in boxing. And it's also the biggest heavyweight title since Mike Tyson fought Lennox Lewis in 2002. Fury Joshua should easily surpass 1 million pay-per-view buys in the U S and maybe 2 million in the UK. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're boxing fans or not, but even if you're not, this is, I'm counting down the days already. This I cannot wait for this. The crazy thing about boxing is it's you know 12 three minute rounds, so it's 36 minutes of real time, uh, maybe shorter than that if someone gets knocked out. Uh, but I'm just I'm so excited about this. Uh, if you follow Tyson Fury on social media, he's hilarious. He posts some really funny videos. Both of these dudes are just giants, massive men, and I can't wait to see them both get in the ring and and fight this fight. Um, why Saudi Arabia fans have complained that it's not being taken place in England. Yeah. I'm not sure why it's, but Hey, money talks, right. Um, and if you're, <laughs> if you're going to pay up that kind of money, that is a uh, pretty crazy. Anyway, it'll be pay-per-view. It'll be a huge event. I know it'll be expensive. 
Uh, we're talking probably, I don't know, $70, maybe closer to $100. I don't know. But uh, Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury, yes, it's finally happening. August 14th, can't wait. I don't know if it's going to be a, a late night fight, an early fight, but uh, all eyes will be watching that. Even the most casual of boxing fans should definitely tune into that one because uh, it's going to be one for the ages, at least I hope. And uh, I think it's going to be quite, quite a fight. Okay, losing my voice here a little bit. I got a whole nother show with Bill Barnes today that I got to record. So I got to gotta pace myself. Okay, as far as boxing goes, there was some boxing over the weekend. Uh, let's see. Figueroa knocked out Neri. That was a fight. I, I didn't tune into the, uh, I didn't t- tune into the UFC this weekend. It was like, I didn't love the card. I know it was a title fight and everything, but I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't really that interested in it. So I just said, eh, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out next week or next time. So, uh, I looked at the highlights, but apparently a really good card there in, uh, in, in, te- was it Texas again? Yeah, it was Texas, Houston. Uh, maybe remember previously UFC was in, uh, Florida, Jacksonville, uh, huge crowds there, no masks, no restrictions. And then, uh, boxing, excuse me, UFC ended up going back to, uh, going back to Texas. Wow. What am I saying here? Sorry. I'm losing my mind a little bit. Uh, you had the Canelo fight in Dallas uh, a week ago, and then you had the UFC 262 in uh, Houston. So another huge crowd, great event, some really good fights there over the weekend. Um, just awesome to see, man. Awesome to see the crowds out there. And that was what I wanted to mention. It was something I saw that I noticed. I, I was kind of, I saw highlights, right? And then I saw of a, of the UFC and then I saw, was watching some boxing. It was actually in Carson, California, down there by the uh, <clears throat> Home Depot Center or whatever it's called now. It's changed names a bunch of times, StubHub Center. And I was like, man, we got to go down there in a couple of weeks to watch, uh, watch, some bo- watch some boxing live in person. Wouldn't mind doing that. But uh, it was crazy to see the crowds. The crowds... Uh, in California, everything's spread out. Everyone masks, right, and everything. Not many people there. And then you look at the UFC in Houston, and a huge crowd, fifteen plus thousand or whatever it was. No masks. Everyone's sitting close together, having a great time. So, just uh, two different worlds, if you will, uh, in in <laughs> seeing seeing the two uh, the two different walks of life, I guess. But uh, Charles Oliveria. Uh, Man, Oliveira did win uh, atop uh, the lightweight division. Had a second round TKO Michael Chandler in the main event at UFC 262. Um, so pretty good excitement there. And, you know, Joe Rogan and uh, his his uh, co-hosts during UFC, their reactions are so funny. If When you see a big punch or a big knockout or something, seeing their reactions, they have a camera at the table, like sitting, looking up at them. And it's always like, if they do it in slow motion and stuff, and we get a kick out of that, seeing that it's so funny to see, (laughs) to see the uh, Rogan reactions, Rogan and crew, because if we're honest, we're doing the same thing at home, right? When we have the reactions, it'd be funny to kind of look at each of us and be like, uh, as far as our reactions go, uh, let me see. Let me see. I thought I had this here. Uh, okay. The whole, 
Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather fight is supposed to happen here on June 6th. I don't really know what to think about that. I'm not really eh, that excited. It's, it's, it's such a, it's an exhibition. It's a moneymaker for these guys. I think Mayweather's going to beat him down and really put, start to put to bed this whole Paul brothers thing. I mean, I know they're very passionate about their, their boxing journey here. Um, but it's time for them to fight some, some real boxers, some real fighters here to see if, uh, they really do have what it takes because I'm not so sold yet. Okay. Anyway, we talked about the Fury Joshua fight. We talked about, uh, some fighting over the weekend. I, again, I didn't watch a ton, uh, Figueroa knocked out Neri. That was the, the fight I was watching and two, uh, little guys, two guys who had never really, uh, lost. I think one guy had lost, I think. And one had uh, undefe- was undefeated, and uh, that was really fun for me to watch on Saturday night. And it was cool because it was local, right? It was really local uh, up the street here in uh, California. What is that? I'm sorry, I'm, guys. I'm like all over the map here. Neri versus Figueroa. That was the fight in Carson, California. Lewis Neri. Yeah, that was the one. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm all up. You think you'd be ready, right? It was the junior bantamweight uh, fight and Lewis Neary improved to 31 and 0 uh, with his knockout there. And I, I found it really interesting the way he took him down. It was like this rib shot normally with a low, with a, um, a body shot, you know, you hit the stomach, you hit the liver or something, but this was like an uppercut kind of that hit his rib. And I didn't think it was really that devastating, but he must've hit him just right. Uh, Lewis Neary <clears throat> knocking out his opponent there for the win on Saturday night. That's all I'll say about that. I'll move on, but that's what I was doing Saturday night. I didn't, I didn't choose, tune into the, uh, the UFC, but it was funny to see some of the highlights and things again, Texas crowds versus California crowds. I think that's, <laughs> that speaks volumes. When you look at the two events, seeing, uh, you know, a handful of people sitting outside in California, outside, mind you, uh, outside, <laughs> spaced out and then you got 15,000 people in Houston in indoors no mass drinking beer having a great time uh it speaks volumes let me tell you okay big baseball game uh series I should say over the weekend college baseball is uh rapidly approaching believe this upcoming weekend is the final weekend of the regular season for most conferences as uh as they are uh, going into conference play the week after that. So just like that, the season is, uh, is wrapping up, but uh, anyway, uh, the big series over the weekend was again, another SEC matchup and it would featured number one, Arkansas against number four, Tennessee, Tennessee is back in the mix now that for years, um, you know, kind of under Dave Serrano. And even before that, they weren't uh, having the success that they are now. So whatever they're doing now, they've, they've kind of come back strong. They're, they're in the top five playing good baseball. And uh, Arkansas has had a tremendous uh, history and, and has done really well in recent history as well. Uh, but uh, they're ranked number one in the country. They beat Tennessee Friday night, six to five in the uh, opening game of uh, the big series. It was Tennessee the next day, Saturday, getting a one run one run win themselves eight to seven over Arkansas. And I didn't see this live. I was watching some of that game actually, but it was a walk-off three run home run in, uh, in the bottom of the ninth for Tennessee. 
to win that game 8-7 to even the series. That was on ESPN or something or other. Uh, so great series uh, thus far. And then that took us to Saturday and when, or Sunday, excuse me. And when you know it, another one-run game, 3-2. to two, Arkansas takes the series over Tennessee. So uh, I, I have a feeling these two teams will meet again, not just in the SEC tournament upcoming, but probably in the postseason as well, maybe a super regional or more likely Omaha. So two really good teams there playing a tough, tough baseball series. But one thing I, that stood out to me again is I flipped the game on and it was like I was watching a game in, you know, way back in 2019. I mean, you got fans all over that uh, stadium. They're down in Knoxville, people drinking beer, people you know, shouting and doing dances together and just what an environment. And I was like, man, uh, I don't think there's even crowds out here in college baseball in California. Not that there are many crowds anyway. That's the irony. Not many people go to college baseball games in California. So you could have fans really, but you got down in the sec, thousands of people out there, no mass people just live in their life. And, um, and then I saw some shots of some bars in Nashville, some rooftop stuff. Oh my goodness. Talk about people, uh, coming out and, and just saying, all right, we're done. <laughs> we're done with all this uh like it or not i mean some people were just going out there and trying to live normal lives i guess so i won't say any comments about any i just i, I found it interesting to see the difference in um uh, the approach we'll say to uh, some of the stuff going on um a couple pitchers i want you guys who don't know to uh, keep your eye on they've been uh, good the past couple years and this is probably their last um their last season playing a college baseball, but uh, Jack lighter and uh, Kumar rocker are two pitchers for the Vanderbilt Commodores. And let me see. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the upcoming draft major league baseball draft. If you remember uh, it used to be in June. Uh, I think it's pushed back a little bit this year uh, after the college world series, which I kind of like, I don't like it necessarily being, before uh, or during the postseason, it's kind of a distraction for guys. But anyway, uh, Jack Leiter, a pitcher for Vanderbilt, and Kumar Rocker, another pitcher for Vanderbilt. The best one-two punch in college baseball. Two guys are going to be very high draft picks. Uh, as we start to see more and more college baseball here the next couple of weeks with uh, postseason and tournaments, uh, conference tournaments, and it just it's on TV more uh, here upcoming in late May and early June. You guys will probably see both of these guys, but, um, uh, yeah. And yes, lighter is the, excuse me, the son of former Yankee and met great Al lighter. So, uh, uh, Kumar rocker and Jack lighter two just stud pitchers that, uh, I don't know, uh, how teams are not going to, <laughs> or how teams are going to get by those guys because they just bring it, man. They bring it. And, uh, yeah, keep an eye on them. I'm sure you guys will, uh, you guys will uh, react accordingly. And, and maybe, I don't know, maybe they get beat up. Uh, now that I've said that, maybe they get beat up in their postseason uh, because sometimes it's not always uh, how good you are. It's, you know, someone wants it more. I remember when uh, David Price was the number one overall pick for the uh, Tampa Bay Rays and he was playing for Vanderbilt and, you know, best player in college baseball, stud pitcher. And they didn't even get out of a regional. Michigan upset Vanderbilt back then. Uh, winning beating them twice i think in their in their uh, four team regional but anyway yeah david price came out of the bullpen and 
he, he struggled. I mean, Michigan had some big hits off him. So crazy things can happen in college baseball, but I do think those two pitchers, Kumar Rocker and, uh, and lighter are just absolute studs and, uh, and are going to be, have a great MLB career probably, but uh, they have a few more weeks here of their college baseball career, Jack lighter. So uh, yeah, keep an eye out for those guys as uh, we start up the, the regionals and, and everything here, it's going to be an exciting time. Happy to see college baseball is uh, going to finish up their season here because uh, there was, it was touch and go there, right. For a while, whether it was even going to be played much like a lot of other sports here in uh, the United States of America. Okay. That's about all I got today. I'm going to keep it there. Uh, wrap it up if you will. Cause I do got another show with bill here starting in about uh, 30 minutes that I got to prep for. And uh, I probably said all I need to say today regarding some of the sports recaps and things. I didn't even get to some of my other random thoughts, but Hey, that's, that's life. We'll have to wait until next week, or maybe I'll share some of that with Bill Barnes here on the upcoming weekly Wednesday weigh-in guys. I want to thank you all for tuning in today. Uh, Not just today, but just for the support for this podcast and specifically this weekend, all the support I've seen for Pete Clark. I mean, just an incredible man. I can't say it enough. Uh, a true honor to have played for him and then uh, be a friend of his here later in life. And I, and I wish him nothing but the best. We're praying for him, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers to his family. I, I know Pete, Pete is a fighter and he's going to, uh, he's going to get through this. I, I have faith. Uh, I'm praying more than I ever have really. And um, yeah, man, I, I just wish you a speedy recovery, sir. And it's going to be great to see you soon and talk to you uh, in the very near future pete so our thoughts are with you the podcast thoughts are with pete clark uh not just me but uh, bill barnes he even asked me he goes hey what's the deal with the pete pete guy i told him he goes oh man godspeed man hey hang it you know so words getting around hopefully we hear from uh, paul clark soon uh pete's brother if he can fill us in i was kind of on a text chain the other day uh sunday getting a lot of information so um yeah, I appreciate that from Paul because it's not easy. I've been on the other side of this where where you're kind of the guy communicating with people and it's uh, it's not easy. It's not a fun thing to do, but um, you know, he's in good hands. Pete's in good hands. He's got a great family and he's got a an army of people praying for him too. So uh, not much more that you could ask for that. And um, yeah, man, Godspeed, Pete. We love you. Uh, from the Get Home Podcast, from the Hersema men out there, uh, hang in there, man. Keep fighting. You're a fighter. You, you, you coached, you coached us how to fight and how to battle through adversity, man. And I know, I know you're going to do the same. So uh, get well soon. And we will talk to you soon, Pete guys. That will wrap up today's episode of the get home safe podcast. Thank you for joining us. Looking forward to you uh, following us again on Wednesday with the weekly Wednesday weigh in with bill Barnes. And I'm currently working on a guest for Friday. Uh, that I should be recording this week. I'll fill you guys in when that is uh, finalized. And of course, always look on social media because on Thursdays, I will put out the picture of the upcoming guest on Fridays. And I got to tell you, it's getting harder and harder, guys, to put together guests. Not so much uh, I'm running out of people. It's just, you know, people are busy and I understand that and I respect that. So if you guys have any suggestions, uh, by all means, uh, reach out to me or maybe talk to some people and say, Hey, would you like to be on this? You know, I would love to hear you on the podcast, whatever. Um, don't pressure. I don't want anybody to be pressured or, or, you know, be pushed too hard or anything. It's just friendly suggestions. If anyone has a, a suggestion, let me know. Or, uh, you know, maybe sometimes it's, 
when it comes from someone else, not me, it's, uh, you know, the, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I'll do the podcast. Sure. So anyway, I'm not complaining. This is hard work and uh, I'm happy to do it. It's a lot of fun to do it. And uh, looking forward to more episodes here in the future, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays here at the get home safe podcast. All right. Enough of me rambling guys. Thanks again. Hope you will join us on Wednesday and Friday this week. But guys, as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or round in third base, get home safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. We greatly appreciate the support. We know we have a lot of loyal listeners out there, but we always want to keep people informed of the many ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. We have various social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. There's plenty of ways and options to listen to the Get Home Safe podcast. Anchor helps distribute our podcast to places like Apple, Spotify, Google, and many more. We also have a YouTube channel that is brand new for us. Not a whole lot of content on there yet, but we're going to try to put out more and more video episodes in going forward, as well as short clips here and there regarding uh, big events that happen uh, over the course of time. So lots of options out there, guys. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, offer uh, some suggestions or content uh, topics, or uh, just ask us some random questions. We always appreciate that. I know Bill Barnes does, especially on Wednesdays. So uh, looking forward to continue to bring you great episodes here on the Get Home Safe podcast on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Guys, have a great rest of the week. And as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.